This Breakfast with Ben's podcast on the Fans First Network brought to you by Gerger Construction. It's not too soon to start planning your dream deck. They build decks year-round, and they're booking into spring and summer 2024. Gerger Construction is a small burg business specializing in decks, pergolas, railings, and fencing. Fully insured, licensed, and now offering financing options. Go to GergerConstruction.com to get your free project estimate or to schedule your deck safety inspection today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Shut up and sit down. It's our weekly hockey podcast with Seth Rorba. Seth, of course, covers the Penguins at Trib Live. We are brought to you by Gerger Construction. Go to gergerconstruction.com to get your free project estimate or to schedule your deck safety inspection today. Take advantage of Gerger's winter special, $1,000 off your new deck if it's installed by March 1st of this year. It's not too soon to start planning your dream deck. They're building decks year-round, and they're booking into spring and summer 2024. Seth, I was thinking about how to open this conversation regarding All-Star Weekend by asking you, are you going to watch any of the All-Star festivities? And I know that's not the right way to phrase it. It wouldn't be for me. Are you being forced to watch any of the All-Star Game festivities? Do you have to write off of any of this? And by extension, do you have to watch it? Um, the simple answer is no. Uh, no. I, I have uh, no interest, no reason, or uh, no compunction to watch that game whatsoever. Games, I should say. It shouldn't even be called a game. It should be called All-Star Event or Tournament because it's it's three games, really. So, um, no, I don't have to. Uh, many a couple of years ago, a, a former Peng member of Penguins management, who may or may not be in the Vancouver Canucks uh, management at the moment, well, it doesn't narrow uh, it down, but okay, <laughs> told me, um, I, you know, we came back. I came into the building, you know, like it was like the day after the All Star game, or whatever it was at that point, and um, and we just were kind of convention about the All Star, the event, and. Um, he told me that that's not our game. That's the meaning the sport of hockey. That's not what hockey is. And, um, and I agree with him. Uh, that said, um, you know what? My, my friend's seven year old son's going to watch, uh, from bell to bell. Uh, um, cause he's a Connor McDavid fan. He just wants to see Connor McDavid do fun things. So, um, there's something to be said for, for catering to a younger audience to, to get them hooked into the game and things like that. Um, Hey, you know, I still have good memories of watching Mario Lemieux rip it up at the 1990 All-Star Game at the Civic Arena way back when. So um, there's something to be said for presenting that to a, to a younger audience. Ultimately, though, the, the main priority there is just to satisfy sponsorships. Um, I forget who the sponsor is for this one, but uh, I think years past it was Honda or Enterprise or whoever. So you have a big, giant corporate sponsor. That brings in money. That, brings it, that, that makes the teams richer. That increases the hockey-related revenue. That, increase, that in turn increases the, uh, the salary cap figures. So um, there's a financial benefit to staging the All-Star game uh, that uh, um, justifies anything uh, that they do this weekend. You mentioned 
somebody who shall remain nameless in the Vancouver organization that used to be in the Penguins front office. I'm not going to assume that's Patrick Alvine. I'll just ask, what do you think of Patrick Alvine's contract extension? Um, I mean, he's delivered. Uh, and Jim Rutherford, you know, recently got a contract extension as well. He's now the president ah, of yes, hockey operations too. there. So, um, and then they pull a big trade uh, right after all those contracts are, are you know signed, sealed, and delivered, and they bring in Elias Lindholm from the Calgary Flames. And um, you look at them. I mean, they're they're one of the best teams in the league right now. Uh, I'm looking at the teams. They're actually the best team in the league right now, tied with the Boston Bruins for most points in the league. So, um, you know, when Jim Rutherford and, and company all kind of went there, I mean, I, I looked at that roster, and you know, it looked like they had some good pieces in there. You know, Quinn Hughes, Elias Pedersen, uh, Brock Besser, et cetera. And, um, it, it was a team that was just really underachieving to that point. And, you know, they've made some some notable changes. You know, Bo Horvat was traded last year. Uh, but I mean, they, for the most part, they've stuck with you know what you would think would be a core group there, and um, they, they've really blossomed. Particularly this year under Rick Talk, at the you know the former Penguin assistant coach, now the head coach there, um, uh, and um, they, they've really coalesced there. And you know, they brought in some good supplemental pieces. You know, most notably a, a number of former Penguins. You know, there's Sam Lafferty or Teddy Bluger or Casey DeSmith. You know, just you know, guys who are in their roles, you know, bottom six players, a backup goaltender, et cetera, Ian Cole, uh, you know, bottom pairing defenseman. So, I mean, they, they've supplemented what their core is with a lot of, you know, quality, reliable role players. And um, it's really come together for them this season. And they're, you know, they, they know that they're a cup contender. So they're, you know, kind of following that Jim Rutherford playbook where you make a big trade early, allow that player, in this case, Elias Pedersen, I'm sorry, um, Elias Lindholm, uh, yeah, to, to kind of get in there and get more used to his teammates, uh, you know, quicker than he would be if he had, you know, made, been made traded, you know, closer to the deadline on March 8th or wherever it is. Um, and you know, they're going for it. I mean, they paid a fairly heavy price to, to acquire Lindholm, but, um, they really uh, have a lot of faith in this core group here. And, uh, um, and, and I think Jim Rutherford will tell you, I mean, he, he understands, you know, when you really believe that your team can be a Stanley Cup contender, has a legitimate chance to, to win the Cup, um, there's no price too high to add a player like Lindholm uh, to get you over that over that hump. Did they want Gensel? Uh, they probably did. I mean, just based on the fact they have like six or seven other players who have played for the Penguins or Wilfred Scranton or, or anything like that, I mean, um, the, the, you know, I think any team would have wanted him, but just given the connections there with uh, Jim Rutherford and company, I, I think that's a, uh, a viable conclusion to, to draw there. Um, uh, that said, Lindholm's a center. I, I think they probably are a little bit more in line to grab a center than a winger, but uh, I, I don't think there would have been uh, too many problems if they, you know, had added Jake Gensel to their lineup. They would have figured out where to put him. But um, no, I, I think it's fair to conclude that Jake Gensel was someone that they were. Um, interested in, and maybe it communicated even in just you know very brief terms uh, to current Penguin management that uh, that that's someone that they would have uh, you know uh, kicked the tires on, I guess. Seth Rorba with us. You mentioned the price that was paid to get Lindholm. Is that a model for what the Penguins might get in return? And for folks who might not have been keeping up on it, Lindholm went from Calgary to Vancouver for a first-round pick, a conditional fourth sort of a rehab project salary dump winger, and then two young defensemen, a 19-year-old who's leading the OHL in scoring amongst defensemen and is seventh in the league, and then a bottom pair defenseman, sort of a bigger six foot five guy that I think he's Finnish maybe. Yonin, is that how you say his last name? That's I, correct, yeah. Yeah. Uh, those He's like a, a organizational depth to, to fifth or sixth guy, but more of a stay-at-home guy. 
Is that kind of a ish return for what Gensel might get if the Penguins were to trade him? In a vacuum, yes. Um, I mean, Jake Gensel, I, I think, is a much uh, more prolific player, at least in terms of the, than Elias Lindholm. Again, it's it's maybe apples or oranges. Lindholm's a center. Plays, yeah, he's you know, more of a, a two-way center than a scoring winger like Gensel is. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it depends on what you need. I, I mean, I'm guessing just about any team in the league would need a 40-goal scorer if he's available. But um, uh, I think part of the – Part of that deal, too, was um, to deal away Andre Kuzmensko, who he has a contract. Uh, he's in the first year of a contract with $5.5 million as a cap it, I believe. Um, they had the Calgary had to absorb that contract to clear cap space for Calgary to take on uh, Lindholm. But you know, in order to do that, you come, kind of have to sweeten the pot a little bit. So that's why you, you had some of the prospects involved. You had you know, the first round pick and the conditional pick and all that stuff involved. So uh, for Calgary to make that trade work for Calgary, I think the Canucks had to sweeten that deal. But uh, as I said before, you know, Jim Rutherford is not afraid to, as we saw many years for many years here, he's not afraid to deal future way, future assets for immediate help. So, um, you know, the, the trade that maybe, I don't know if you saw this trade, it just happened maybe a few hours ago as we're speaking here on uh, Friday afternoon. Um, the, the Winnipeg Jets brought in Sean Monahan from the mm-hmm. Montreal Canadiens. Uh, he's going to be a second-line center there, uh, and they get a first-round pick in this year's draft and a third-round pick, conditional third-round pick in 2027. So, um, I mean, if, again, that's a, maybe a different set of circumstances there. The Canadians are they're rebuilding. You know, they're they're they don't really necessarily need to you know clear cap space or anything like that, or the Jets don't necessarily need to. So, um, the Jets are again a team that's uh, in contention for for you know a division title here. They're bringing in a top six center. Uh, Number two center and um, a player with a similar skill set to Elias Lindholm, and you know it was a, a much different return, I would say, just based on uh, some of the conditions that were in place for both teams. So I'm not necessarily sure there there is a quote unquote model for how to you know put together a potential Jake Gensel trade. Um, I mean, if you're just telling me uh, uh, you know this is what they got for 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 Elias Lindholm, I would say yes in a vacuum. That's yeah, that's probably less than you would get for Jake. Um, that's probably less what you get for Jake Gensel, but. Um, I, I think a lot of these trades, potential trades, it's going to come down to some of the circumstances, namely cap space for each team involved and um, uh, just the, the needs for everyone. But again, uh, Jake Gensel's a 40-goal scorer, um, uh, any team, and he's under 30 still. Any team, uh, just about any team in the league is going to find room for a 30 for a 40-goal scorer. Uh, just, just a matter of what they have to clear out to, to do that if, if the Penguins do want to go down that road. Seth, a few years ago we had Yager Watch. Now we get Yager Week. I understand you're working on some stories to go in conjunction with Yager Week. Yeah, um, something I've been working on here for a few weeks. Uh, just, uh, you know, we, we kind of knew this was going to happen. Uh, you know, then, then I think it was November. The Penguins finally formally announced uh, they'd be retiring his jersey on February 18th. So i uh, just been trying to track down former teammates over the 10 or 11 years he was here, uh, just trying to find fun stories. And you've know, always heard some, you know, the stories about going to the casinos and the fast cars and uh i think i believe he was like kind of a he had a jones for kit kats and stuff like that even too so uh been just, i don't want to ruin too many too many surprises here but just been tracking down a lot of former teammates going back from 1990 to uh, when he left in 2001 for any fun stories there so uh matthew barnaby shared some ones uh fun stories that i'm gonna i'm gonna maybe kind of keep it for the uh for the for the paper uh I uh, just talked to Alf Samuelson as, as we started this conversation. Uh, he, he shared a fun story about uh, they had a weightlifting competition with like the leg press and stuff like that. So, um, I mean, Yarmer Yager, uh, I mean, such a character. Uh, just been trying to maybe pinpoint a few uh, specific stories with some of his teammates here.
You think the Oilers are going to break the Penguins' winning streak record? Um, well, they have a tough challenge here coming up out of the break. I believe they play the Vegas Golden Knights, who um, that's a team that eliminated them from the playoffs last year. So I'm guessing there's probably some motivation just on that front there. But um, I mean, uh, yeah, and I, I'm never a too huge a believer in terms of momentum. But you know, when you go into the street, they, they have 16 games right now. Uh, they need one more, obviously, to break it or to tie it at least. Uh, um, but they've, they're coming out of the all-star break here in their bye week. So I'm wondering if some of the momentum they had built up over this is maybe going to get stunned a little bit. Uh, and if nothing else, the golden Knights who are a little banged up right now, um, uh, you know, they're going to get a few players back potentially out of the break too. So that you know, makes them a little bit of a stiffer challenge, I guess. But, um, you know, really what, you know, Edmonton's been such a, just a monster ever since, uh, Chris Knobloch took over as head coach there, the former Erie Otters coach, former, coach of uh, uh connor mcdavid in erie mind you um it, and that's not to say you know the previous coach there was doing a bad job but um it, it just it's it's a ma- it's it's amazing how in this sport i mean it happens in every sport but in this sport it seems like when you make a coaching change no matter you know, you know who it is and who's coming in it can really refocus the team in a lot of ways and it certainly does that for the edmonton oilers i mean they've always had the talent they just if maybe need some structure there um, you know, Stuart Skinner, the goaltender. I mean, that's always maybe been a thankless job there in Edmonton, being a goaltender there with that team and how they play defense. But he's really tuned in right now. Um, they're getting contributions from, from all corners in the lineup. And um, a- again, they're going to have a pretty stiff challenge here going against the Vegas Golden Knights coming out of the block. But uh, um, it's it's really just been a remarkable run, no matter how many how many games they've they've won in a row here. I saw Gensel linked to Edmonton. They don't need him, do they? They don't need more of that, do they? I can't imagine a situation where they would need Jake Gensel. Um, I mean, that's quite the opposite of what they need. Uh, yeah. Again, I, I, I'm, I'm guessing over the next six, seven weeks here before, you know, now in the trade deadline, uh, we're going to see no shortage of, of Jake Gensel to XXX team here. Uh, frankly, I'm surprised we haven't heard him going to the Atlanta Thrashers or the Hartford Whalers at this point. But, Give it time. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, no, I, I would caution a lot of people to uh, just just be careful what you look out there for uh, when you see links and you know, uh, supposed news and things like that. Um, this type of, this time of year, it, it just gets really silly on Twitter and other social media websites with uh, you know trade deadline, uh, you know speculation and stuff like that. Before we go, Seth, what do you make of the Olympics coming back in twenty twenty six? Um. I, I'm not a terrible fan of it. Um, I, just based on the fact that uh, uh, I, I just don't know what it tangibly benefits the NHL. I mean, everyone's all oh, it helps expose the game and things like that. But like, uh, can anyone tell me, you know, tangibly what the NHL has gained out of you know participating you know, from '98 through 2014? Um, I, I, you know, the ratings are still low, relatively speaking, compared to all the other sports in North America. Um, you also, you know, you always run the risk of putting your players at risk for physical injuries. Um, uh, if you recall me in 20, I think it was 2014, John Tavares, uh, he, he was done for the season and then the New York Islanders missed the playoffs after he suffered, I think it was a knee injury playing for Canada there. So, I mean, if, if you're a team there, I mean, you're putting up a lot of risk when you have a, uh, when your star players involved, uh, the Penguins lost, I think Paul Martin for a few weeks with a broken hand after playing the Olympics that year. So. Um, to me, I just, I just question what the potential benefit is for the NHL to participate. I mean, it's a great thing. It's fun to watch, you know, best on best, 
I'm curious to see how Russia will be involved, just given what's going on there with, uh, you know, their, yeah. that country's exclusion from a lot of international tournaments like uh, like the World Championships and the World Juniors and stuff like that. So I'm curious to see how Russia will be involved in this. But um, it's a uh, – I, again, it's, it's, it's fun to watch. I just don't know what the benefit is for the NHL uh, in, in any kind of tangible sense. Seth, thanks. We'll see you at the arena on, what is it, the 6th against the Jets, right? Correct. All right, Sean see you then. Monahan night. <laughs> Seth Roba has been with us in the Breakfast of Ben's podcast brought to you by Gerger Construction.